Yeah, I did a second podcast this week. I'm already tired of talking. Crap, time out. Time out. Come on, y'all. Come on. Ray Ray is fundamental, number one podcast from the get-go. And since you're listening, you got good sense, so let me break it down on this instrumental. It's basketball and all its essences. It's full of pop culture references. Point guards to stretch fours and fives. The last Buffy episode, despite survival. Never mind, let me get on track. Houston had a good run and a team was stacked. We had plans for the team, Wolves, y'all remember? Quick question in sync, who's your favorite member? Oops, I did it again. Hold up, wait, best team on the court, probably Golden State, yeah. Curry and them, yeah, they out this world, but that's Gray's top five, he's saying the Spice Girls. <laughs> Listening to the Ray Ray is Fundamental podcast, episode 121, main interview recorded on July 29th, 3030. This is 2020. I've been I've been cooped up in this house for so long. I don't even know what the what century it is anymore, or millennium. Excuse me. Um, the main interview was recorded July 29th, 2020, and right now it's July 30 because apparently um. There was just an earthquake that happened here in Southern California, and I have no idea. I've been awake for about an hour now. It's it's got it's a god for a second hour right now. It's five oh six in the morning. Um, but an earthquake just happened, and I didn't feel it, so I have no idea. Hope hopefully, all you people in SoCal are safe. Um, I mean, it wasn't that huge of an earthquake, but apparently, um, a four point three was enough to get people uh, shaken out of their boots. Ha! <laughs> you like my pun, right? Anyway, so um. The NBA is resuming their season tonight. Uh, WNBA has already resumed or rest- or started their season. So, if you're one of those people that said that, oh, well, basketball's back tonight. Well, you pa- you haven't been paying attention because basketball's been back for about a week now. So, watch the WNBA. Uh, they play really, really good basketball. If you're jonesing for your '90s old school basketball, you can check that out in WNBA because they still do a lot of post play there, a lot of triangle, all those things, right? So, um, what was I supposed to talk about? Oh yeah, so this episode I do talk with Sharif Jackson. Uh, he's been in this podcast before. He's a tutor, gamer, uh, promotes uh, diversity in uh, video gaming and everything else, basically, and is also a DM for uh, the D and D show called um, Rivals of Waterdeep. Um, yeah, we do talk NBA restart, but only briefly because we're here to talk gaming. Everyone knows how much I love my video gaming, I, and, I, and I, I do wish that I could talk more gaming on this podcast. I'll try to get more gaming gamers on this show. Um, but we do briefly talk, talk about the um, WNBA restart. Um, there's not really much to talk about it because I've already gone over it with a lot of guests over the past few weeks. Uh, so... That's all I got, really. I babbled for about nothing in three minutes. Anyway, uh, that's it. Uh, here's Sharif, and uh, remember that Black Lives Matter. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Murphy from Raptors Republic and a bunch of other places. You're listening to the Ray Ray is Fundamental Podcast. Ray Ray is Fundamental Podcast, episode 121. My guest... 
gamer, math tutor, the man behind math looks good, also the man behind gaming looks good, which takes a look at the diversity in video games, and he's also the dungeon master, DM, behind the Dungeons and Dragons D&D show, Rivals of Water Deep, this is Sharif Jackson, what's up? What's good? What's good, Ray? Hey. Um, good, good to hear from you, man. It's been a little while. It's, it's been a little, been a little while. while. You're, you're usually my gamer, my gaming go-to when it comes to these podcasts. So, um, how are you doing in this pandemic? <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. I mean, that's one of the things, right? It's like when people ask you how you're doing, it's always like, well, you know, <laughs> like it's never really 100% great. So, yeah, it's been ups and downs, like with everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's It's been, you know, some tough days. Uh but, you know, just trying to make the best out of it because I'm always like, you know, it could be worse. Like, you know, I, you know, I luckily don't have anybody personally in my family that is like, you know, um, you know, passed away or anything. Like my brother did have COVID for a little bit, um, you know, because like he lives in New Jersey, which, you know, the cases were very high in New Jersey and New York. Um, like I did have a great aunt that passed away that, that was a little older. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to live, man. You know, like I'm always got my mask on when I'm out and uh, all that good stuff. So, what a concept, safety, right? Like going out wearing a mask. Jeez, like how hard can that be, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, to some people, it's super difficult. Yeah. You know? uh, it's weird because, like, can't you just at least pretend to be some kind of like bank robber or a ninja? Like they all wear masks, so why can't we, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I've actually enjoyed, like, finding cool... There's a lot of cool-looking masks. Like, it's kind of like... It's become a little bit of an industry, like, where... You know, there's a lot of people on uh, Etsy and stuff making really cool-looking masks. You know? So, like, yeah, it's, it's like a fashion... Like, you can have fashionable stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably still wear a mask after the pandemic is over. And this won't be forever. It'll probably be over maybe a year and a half, two years, maybe even three. But I'll probably still wear a mask afterwards because they just look cool. I don't know, but... Yeah. Yeah, I will probably be rocking one until a vaccine, and yeah. God knows when that'll actually happen. So yeah. No. So this COVID talk is just depressing because we talk about it all the time, pretty much. So, um, yep. did you know today is National Chicken Wing Day, July twenty ninth, twenty twenty? I just learned. I did that not today. know that. I just learned I that earlier that. today. So this is a nice segue to a little bit of NBA talk. Uh, mm. Magic City. Hmm. Lou Williams. Hmm. It- I mean, look, we knew something was going to happen, right? And I think the interesting thing about the Lou Williams thing is, you know, he was approved to leave to go to a funeral, so it's not like he snuck out the bubble or anything. Yeah. You know? Um, he just stopped to get some food. I mean, apparently he still had his NBA mask on, you know, like yeah. while he was in there. Yeah. Um uh, so I don't know. It's a weird thing because it's like they had to, you know, they knew it was going to happen with somebody, that somebody was going to be caught somewhere else. When I first heard it, I thought he had, like, snuck out or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but, like, he stopped to get some wings, man. You know. Um, I don't know. I think sports in general at this time are going to be difficult and there's going to be some, you know, some, uh, you know, some roadblocks. I mean, look at the Marlins, right? I mean, there's going to be. Oh, my God. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's going to be some roadblocks, like regardless of what the sport is, and, and no matter how locked down that they try to be, like as long as they keep doing like daily testing and temperature changes, you know, and like t- t- temperature taking and all that stuff. I mean, that's 
kind of the best they could do. I mean, I was one of the people that said like, yo, don't even try it, y'all. Just just wait till next year. But obviously, the money and the you know, and like people do want sports back, of course. But you know, um, this won't be the last one. This, this this will not be the last Magic City esque incident <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been vocal against the sports too, but who are, who am I to say anything? I guess you know they're gonna keep going with it. Uh, big money, big business, stuff like that. And like you mentioned, people want sports back, but we want a lot of things back. It's just not gonna happen because like. Kobe's not gonna go away. You know what I mean? So it's just a big risk. Yeah, I, I was also surprised because I remember when they were first talking about, um, you know, Orlando, the possibility of Orlando. I thought it, when they said a bubble, I thought it was literally like they would be the only people in this area of Disney. Like that's it. It would just be them and trainers and whatever. But it's really kind of integrated with guests, you know, and people at this hotel. And stuff like that. So it's really strange. Like it's um, it's kind of a bubble, but not really. You yeah. Know? Um, so yeah, it's this weird like hybrid. But I'm assuming that that was the best they could get, like between the owners and the union and all that stuff. That was probably the best compromise that they could get. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's uh, this will not be the last thing. I can tell you that for sure. See, as an as an NBA writer slash blogger slash analyst or whatever, I just have a hard time predicting who's gonna win a championship because there are just so so many variables going on. Like, what if LeBron James gets COVID in like October or whatever? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. It's just hard for me to say anything about it. It's like, what if they stop the season halfway through? So, I I just I just want to see them not get sick. That's all I want. I don't even care who wins. Yeah, or I mean, like, what if people coordinate and call this snitch line on uh, a player, you know? And um, maybe something, maybe they have to be benched or something like that. I mean, it sounds like ridiculous, but you know, these are competitive teams. I mean, they will take any advantage that they can. So, I mean, in general, though, I think that I mean, I don't think the best teams are going to change. I don't think it's going to be like a complete flip. Yeah, you know, um, I still think that the expected teams that we expected at the beginning of the season, you know, are going to be there um, at the end. Um, it is hard to pick an absolute winner. Yeah, you know, um, but um, I'm still, you know, hoping, uh, you know, that uh, Giannis can uh, pull it off. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many additional like variables now that, yeah, it's um, you know, in including like not having home court. Yeah. <laughs> You know? Yeah, it, it's all even. Everyone's playing at Disney World, so I mean, it's just crazy, man. I don't know. Um, who knows if they'll get to the end of the season? Like, and I'm still surprised baseball's still going on. Football still has like they they still want yep. fans in the stadiums. I'm just kind of like, what are these guys yes. doing? It's it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. It it at least baseball is trying to be creative by like piping in the sound and. <laughs> Uh, using the cutouts, which is it's. I mean, it's silly, but I'm like, if you're gonna have a season, it's gonna be silly. Yeah. Like, like you can't, like, like you gotta, you, you know, like. Uh, it was the same thing as how when like wrestling started up, they were doing like full, full like you know skits with no fans. <laughs> yeah. You know, with like no people in the background, and it looked amazing. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if they're still uh, doing it without fans in the WWE, but I know that that like they definitely were for for like a while, and uh, it was very, very funny. 
Um, yeah, I'm not sure what is going to happen with football. I mean, um, obviously, it's still it's such a contact sport, and even though they will do like d- d- daily testing and stuff, I think it'll be similar to baseball, where they're still like traveling and there's no restrict. I, I mean, there's uh, restrictions, quote unquote. But I mean, I, like you can't stop people from going and doing like w- what they got to do. So it's 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 going to kind of come down to the individual ethics and morals and safety of the of the players and uh i mean the, the unfortunate thing is all it takes is one person all yeah. it takes is one like asymptomatic person that's not showing any obvious stuff and it could be a disaster so i don't know I, i'm uh i'm trying not to be pessimistic <laughs> um, but at the same time as much as i love sports I'm kind of like, yo, I think we need to, like, like we need to hold off, um, you know. Yeah, I'm extremely skeptical. And football has a lot of people. They have 50-man teams. Like, how yes. are you not going to get COVID in that, in that area? Like, that's just a lot of people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, it's not just the people, right? It's the coaches, it's yeah. the trainers. It's, like, all the, all the assistant staff and stuff that they have that they, like, bring with them like it's a lot a lot of moving parts all these people go home they meet other people they go out they like it's like exponentially you know like uh increasing in terms of the probability you know that somebody can grab it and like pass it on in the most like nondescript way so um yeah it's uh i don't know man (laughs) yeah that's 50 people on the team and then you add in the staff the 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 general managers the the training staff, the social media. So that's about like I don't know, seventy five to eighty people, give or take, per team. That's a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 that's not counting. Like I'm assuming that they're also going to have like you know, like uh, journalists. You know, like uh, <laughs> journalists like traveling with them as well. You know, yeah. for like each team is going to have like their local, you know, like their team, you know, like uh, people and then the yeah. broadcasters. Yeah. So, you know. So maybe even 85 it could approach 100 per team. That's just a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. It absolutely could. It absolutely could. Oh my god. And like again, it just takes one. Just takes yeah. one. Yeah. Just takes one. So let, let's talk about what we usually talk about here. Let's talk about gaming and um when the pandemic started, perfect timing that Animal Crossing came out on the 20th, about 10 days oh, after yeah. the pandemic, and wow, like how many did that sell? Like 13 million, 15 million already, or whatever? That's crazy. It's, it was, it's definitely one of the highest selling like Switch titles, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, like in the US and Japan, as well. Like it's definitely not just been like a localized like phenomenon, it's kind of you know, in in the major markets. So, well, well, I'm not sure how it's doing in China or whatever, but in like in the, in the U.S. and Japan, like it's definitely been going gangbusters. Yeah. Um. And, and like I I I've been in on it, man. Like I've enjoyed Animal Crossing in the past, but I've never been like like hugely into it. Mm-hmm. Um. Probably the one on the 3DS. Uh, I got probably the most into. Um. But this one I've gotten really into. <laughs> I got really into. Um. And I played a lot, man. Um. You know, I, I I'm I don't do a lot of the tricks. Like uh, there's some people that set their clocks. Yeah, my brother does that. Time. My brother. Yeah, does I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't do all that. Um, I just play kind of like the regular game. But the reason I love it is because I can play for five minutes a day or 
two hours a day or whatever and just do one thing mm-hmm. and feel like accomplished like i could just like pull some weeds and be like i'm good you know <laughs> um or like i can try to like you know go to several like mystery islands and try to pick up stuff and that kind of stuff so i like how your engagement level can vary but you can still feel like you succeeded like it was a like like it wasn't a waste of time yeah you know like what i love about that game yeah i mean this is like the what the fourth or fifth animal crossing game but there's really no goal it's just more like whatever you want to do it's like you want to make it to a five-star island or you, you want to get the most flowers possible it can do whatever you want which is which is great about that game yeah and yeah and the uh i kind of love the meta game that is spread um around the turnips um <laughs> i mean there's like entire websites dedicated toward finding the islands with the right turnip prices and people are like converting their islands to basically like where they have like bouncers and they have like paths that where like you you have to drop like a item or something before they let you in to exchange your turnips Yes. Like like it's it's turned into a whole like indi- like cottage industry of uh, getting those like six hundred bell like turnips you know and that kind of stuff so yes yes it's been definitely fun um, I participated in a little bit of that early on um, but but you know I, I don't do as much of the turnip stuff anymore because I basically have as much money as I want to do anything yeah. in the game mm-hmm. um, but there but there's definitely people that enjoy like the rush of finding that great deal. You know, um, but but yeah, I I had a friend that would he would regularly, you know, he'd like g- g- go go to a website, he'd find a place, and he'd wait in queue for like an hour, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to like get on that island and like sell his uh, turnips. So it's a thing. Yeah, um, I actually so what happened was that I was searching for I was searching on Twitter on who would have great deals on turnips, right? And it turns out. One of them was an old friend from the anime convention circuit who I haven't talked to in like 12, 13 years. So I was oh, like, wow. oh, wow, hey, Justin, it's been a while. And we we ended, up, we ended up reconnecting on Facebook. It's like, now we're friends again. It's been a long time. It was because of Animal Crossing. So that's it's one awesome. of the things that it does, you know, reunite people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that is pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, did you play Final Fantasy VII Remake yet? Uh, not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did play quite a bit of it, um, and, and and I actually watched a lot of streams on it because I feel like it's one of those games where I almost enjoy watching other people play more than I enjoy playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I've watched a lot of people uh, play like t- different uh, parts of it. Um, and man, I tell you, like I used to be really down on remakes, maybe like five or so years ago. I used to get like. I, I used to be like, man, like, why, why are you remaking these games? Like, you don't want to put the energy into new games. But I'll tell you, um, these remakes are very, very smartly done. They're not just, like, packaging better graphics on it. They're really thinking about, like, the systems and, and like, how they interact. Um, it's not just, like, putting a fresh coat of paint. They are really, like, I, I, I guess it's, like, the difference, like, between a remaster in a remake yeah like a remake is really thinking about like rebuilding a game from the ground up that still obviously has the same quests and stuff but for all in terms of purposes is a different game yeah you know? uh and like I, th- I thought the same thing about like uh the resident evil stuff from mm-hmm. like a capcom like uh they've been doing a phenomenal job of basically making new games you know that are <laughs> that are these old ones and yeah i think 
Final, Final Fantasy VII re remake is just it just it just hits it. it they they just got it T to the point where I've seen some people that I follow that like I respect their opinions say it's like in their list for game of the year like a remake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, which is amazing. You know, it's amazing like achievement that they were able to connect with so many people like that. Yeah. Many people know from listening to this podcast or I've told them on social media or in real life that I think Final Fantasy VII, the original, is overrated. But the remake, I love so much. I like it better than the original. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I like it better than wow. the original. Um, I think it tells a better story, in my opinion. And um, I think it's amazing that they took the first 10% of the original game and made it into a full-blown 30, 35-hour game. I think that's amazing. Yes. And... I don't know how many sequels they're going to make in this remake because they still have like 9% of the game left to do. But, you know, I'm all for it. Like, give me three or four, four, or four, or four of these and, you know, I'm, I'm down to play them all. Yeah, I wouldn't be, I mean, I wouldn't be, I mean, if they keep them at this length, I think they'll probably make like three. I think like a lot of people like that, like trilogy mm -hmm. of games. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they make them three, you know, like a th th three or so, but... That is really interesting. Do, do you think it's that you honestly think the story is better or just you as a person playing it, you know, that like you absorb it differently because you're playing it as, an, you know, as, as an adult now as opposed to when you originally played the original? I think they told it better. I was pretty vocal about the ending of Final Fantasy VII, the original. <laughs> I think it sucked mm -hmm. really badly. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a better job, um, you know, uh, telling the story here, uh, tying up all the loose ends, and um, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know they, oh, they, yeah, they, no. they just do a better uh, job. Don't, don't uh, spoil it. Yeah, they just do a better job telling the story here, and I think I'm looking forward to what they're gonna do on remake part two, remake part three, or however long they're gonna go. So, um, and by the way, Final Fantasy VII original, I was I was 18 when it came out, so I was already like a young adult when it came out, so. Um, oh yeah, but but like, you were still at a different place. Yeah, I you was. Know, like, you were still at a different place. I was. So. Yeah, but I still hold to that. I mean, I understand what it did for games, though. I really do. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely an important game, but the, but like that doesn't mean that you had to like it. You yeah. know, like I mean, there's a lot I, of important I, games I, that I don't think are fun or that I would play again. You know. Yeah, I liked it ninety percent of the way. Then I think basically this three is when I was just like, ugh. Why did it make it like this? So, Hey guys, it's Pamela Horton, Miss October 2012, and you are listening to Ray Ray, it's Fundamental Podcast. Streets of Rage 4, another game that we were talking about recently too, and oh my god, that one is so fun too. Like, yes, it's easy to beat, but it can be replayed over and over and over with so many characters and, and uh, difficulties of the game. Yes, yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible. I mean, I've... You know, I've I, I tend to get drawn to when there's like kind of modern like beat 'em ups like mm -hmm. Castle Crash yeah. or you know um, or like they had like Double Dragon Neon like maybe five years ago or so. Um, but man, this one, the art style is just it's like addicting to me. I feel like I'm like watching a painting or like a you know like a hand drawn experience. Like it just looks and flows so good to me like i just love the way it looks mm -hmm. you know um and i love how you know they really gave the enemies per like personality like you can kind of get a sense of like when they're going to attack of like 
I don't know. I'm that kind of person that thinks about what this NPC might be saying. Yeah. You know, yeah, as they're walking toward me. So I kind of like have my own voices in my head, <laughs> you know, for for uh, different folks. Um, I love the commissioner uh, boss. <laughs> um, yeah. I think he's one of like literally one of my favorite beat em up bosses maybe ever. Mm-hmm. Like he is just great. Like he's like basically he's just like a beefed up commissioner that like flies around the level i i like love him i love when he shows up in another boss battle yeah um and like if you play on like a harder level like two of them show up <laughs> like it, it's just it, it's it's just yeah i love that that uh boss i love the final boss fight i think it's great mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean i, I just think overall it, it's just clearly made by fans of not only the genre but of the game mm-hmm. i love how they got um Koshiro to like make some like music for the game so it has some like music for from like the original like composer of the first three yeah you know which is great um yeah it's, it's just phenomenal i mean i've played it so many different times um i've played like the online thing where i just jump on with a random person you know and uh play through because i had to unlock all the characters um yeah. Because another thing is, you know, um, when you unlock these other characters, these like eight-bit versions and sixteen-bit version, well, these are <laughs> these are sixteen-bit versions of the, you know, of the previous games. I mean, they, I don't know how they did it because they still look smooth in the game, even though they're pixelated. I mean, it's I don't know how to explain it, but they like they don't look like these like jerky like things. I was uh, really worried that the sixteen-bit people would look out of place mm-hmm. in this like very smooth modern game but man they look and feel so good and they still have like the original sounds and stuff i mean it's 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 just a phenomenal game i i am very very happy with it um i love that like it that like you know if like you're a xbox fan how like it was on game pass like for free which is great yeah uh, but it's definitely worth like i think it's like 20 bucks i think um it's absolutely worth the uh the uh, money for sure it's a fantastic fantastic game yeah the the seer characters or the older pixelated characters are also overpowering they are so good in yes. that game but you know I'm not, I'm not complaining powerful. i'm not complaining because i mean if you're a competent video game player you should be able to beat this in two three days right but oh yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. but again it, it's very fun um like who doesn't like a good beat em up right and again there's so many um diff- difficulties you can play on hard hardest mania uh what, or you can just take it easy or whatever and just so much to unlock. Like I've, I just started unlocking as Streets of Rage three characters just now. So, um, I'm still, I still have a lot more to do in that game. <laughs> it's such a yeah. very replayable game. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun game. It's like one of those games where if I'm working and I need like a break and I want to play something for like a short pe- period of time, I'll just load, I'll just go to the mission select, just load up a level. Yeah. You know, because the levels like they don't take like that long. You know. Yeah. Um, but, but 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 the music's great. It looks great, and it's just fun to punch people in that game. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, it is. So yeah. so I also just learned that um, besides Koshiro, um, also um, old composers of Final Fight, Street Fighter Two, and Ninja Gaiden were also hired for this for the soundtrack. So they oh, went. Oh, I did not know. They that. went very nineties. They went very nineties in this soundtrack, which I'm not gonna complain about. Obviously, it's great. It's a great soundtrack. So. Yeah, I love, I love, I, I mean, sh- like, like that was kind of like when they announced that this was uh, coming out. My first 
thought was, well, I might like the game, but I'm sure the soundtrack is going to be not garbage, but it's just that Streets of Rage has such a high bar for music. You know, what, like the original three that I was just like, there's no way that I'm going to enjoy this soundtrack. Um, but they, but uh, I mean, they went in on it. Like they yeah. put resources into it, and and I think it, you know, is great. It still sounds very '90s in 2020. Um, yeah. Which which game which Rage soundtrack do you like the best? One, two, three, or four? Uh, probably two. Sixties Rage Two is, is is my favorite. I'm a one person. Um, it doesn't necessarily fit the game because but because you're beating up people you're in a dark place or whatever but you know i just jab to those <laughs> like it doesn't even have to fit the fit the, fit the mood yeah. i just like that so much you know i mean so. one is probably my second favorite mm-hmm. um a lot of it sounds like kind of techno club music yep uh and yeah it does sound weird when you look at the levels that you're on <laughs> but you know i i mean i yeah those games just the music is just great and like i was the kind of person that used to always like rip on the genesis for having like not great audio yeah but if but if you knew how to use it like uh streets of rage and sonic the hedgehog and like certain games like certain games had brilliant brilliant music yeah 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 so real quick um i asked i asked from people what is your favorite game soundtrack ever Ooh, because mine is easy Mine is just like okay. Mine is Final Fantasy IV. That's my favorite soundtrack ever. Yeah. So. Uh man, it's tough. Um, I can give you my to- a couple of yeah. my top ones. Give I don't think couple. I can give you one. Give me a couple. So okay, so Act Razor for the Super Nintendo. That sounds so good. Uh, <laughs> which was all which was also made by uh, Koshiro. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, just magnificent soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um. I love the Street the Street Fighter Two soundtrack. Yeah, like just every single level, mm-hmm. except maybe Balrog's level. I feel like his music is kind of generic, but like I just get these inst- like once I hear even a little bit of the sounds, I get instant. It just pops in my head, yeah. like level all yeah. that stuff. So um, I think that was a uh, fantastic soundtrack. Um, I really love the soundtrack to Destiny One, so the first Destiny game uh-huh. that uh, that. Uh, that like I came out and I guess at this point 2013 I guess or 2014 that was a long time ago I know I mean it feels like forever ago but like yeah yeah yeah. so like I really like um, the music in uh, Destiny Um, I really like the music in uh, basically all the Halos but especially like Halo 1 Mm -hmm. Uh, really really enjoyed that like chanting like kind of like classical like music Mm -hmm. uh, a lot um, yeah, so like those are those would definitely be high on my list. Like all, all those uh, games would would be very high on my list. I expected you to mention uh, Revenge of Shinobi or Mega Man Two, probably. Oh yes, yeah. Those have great those have great soundtracks as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Mega Mega Man Two would definitely be up there for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, and and Revenge of Shinobi, another Koshiro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A, another one. Yeah. I mean, that dude was just was just <laughs> blessing us. He was blessing us, man. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Speaking of Shinobi, you don't know how proud I was when I beat the original Shinobi, <laughs> the arcade version. Yeah, we, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, wow, because that game was definitely. I mean, I mean, that was you know, like most arcade games, that was like a quarter chopper. Like, like, like there was some cheap, 
some cheap stuff in that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what happened was that like I was playing, I was replaying Shining Force at the time, and in the mm-hmm. same because I have the, the I have the Sonic Genesis collection on PS3, so I was playing uh-huh. that, and then I was like, oh, I can unlock Shinobi in this game. I've always wanted to beat Shinobi, and then um, I got to Mission Four at the time. It's like, forget it. It's just too hard. I can't do this, right? So I didn't play yeah. for a couple of weeks, and then. It just got to it's like okay, it bothered me so much. I need to beat this game, and it took me like a month to beat the game because it's just so hard. Because you can't continue <laughs> the last mission. You can't. Yeah, so, it's a hard, it's a difficult game. Yeah. It is a difficult game for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I, I remember I had it for the uh, the Sega Master System when I was young. Mm-hmm. So I really got like good at that one. But they changed. I mean, it, you know, obviously with home adaptations of arcade games they had to change a lot of it you know just because of the power of the system yeah uh, but for the most part they kept a good chunk of it and like i remember i could beat the home version like repeatedly but uh-huh. like but like whenever I, I i would go to the arcade i just wasn't as good as at the arcade version even though like a lot of the levels are similar mm-hmm. you know yeah do you i mean arcades are pretty rare nowadays like we have we have the, obviously the combination bar arcade uh venues going on but do you miss arcades in general um i mean i i mean i i hung out at arcades a lot Uh um as a kid um there was sort of the i guess it's not really an arcade i guess but like the local bodega or pizza shop that had like a couple games in it like that was like that was where we went after school yeah you know like we go and we play street fighter or 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 we play you know NBA Jam or Smash TV or Turtles in Time or whatever. Yeah. Um, but so the arcades, so like there were no arcades that I could like walk to or, or like take a bus to. Mm-hmm. So like the so the only time I would go to a formal arcade is if I went to the mall because there was like yes. an arcade at the local mall called called uh, Fun and Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was another arcade called the Plaza Game Room that was um, kind of near where like. Um, I forgot if there was a laundromat or something. There was something that my mom went there for on a regular basis. So she would just like give us some uh, quarters, and we would just go a couple of stores down and like the strip mall. Um, so yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, especially for the Plaza Game Room, because I went there so, so much, I could probably draw the layout <laughs> of that because I would kind of do the same path every time I I, I went in. And like while 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 like they would change like the hot game like kind of the profile game, mm-hmm. that's kind of the only thing that that would change. Every other game kind of stayed in the same like position. Yeah. Uh, and like I would like always make the same kind of route. And like every time I had like maybe a dollar left in like uh, quarters, I would go I would go to, to the to the pinball machines and just play <laughs> pinball for the last uh, for the last dollar. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, because uh, in downtown LA, in Little Tokyo, there there's a bar slash arcade venue there, um, and they had all the big '90s hits like NBA Jam, Street Fighter, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, uh, Area 51, all those games. And then they have a pinball mm-hmm. section, um, and they have a DJ playing. At the when I was there, they were playing '90s songs, so it felt very '90s inside that venue. Uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of cool. There were a lot of people playing Street Fighter Two uh, Champion Edition. I was kind of amazed. They're they were only like in their probably like late teens, mid twenties. They're all they're all lined up as if it was like you know the hottest thing ever. 
It was crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, in 2018. So I'm just kind of like, what What year are we? Are we in 1993 or something? They're playing SWV while there's 10 people on the Street Fighter machine? <laughs> like, it was crazy. But it was kind of cool, yeah. too. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the last time I've seen something like that is um, if you ever go to Dragon Con in Atlanta. Oh, um, I just mentioned like, I wanted to go there so badly. I haven't been there yet. Yeah. Yeah, so I've gone there a, a, a couple years at this point to like uh-huh. be on panels and stuff. Yeah. And they have a local company that just brings a bunch of arcade machines. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is that they bring a lot of like arcade machines from Japan. Wow. So so there's all these like weird like rhythm games and music games uh-huh. and mech games yeah. and like all that stuff. But, but they also have the like a classics. Mm-hmm. And those Street Fighter machines like there's lines Jeez. and there's people like it really feels like being at an arcade like back in the day because there's people like you don't need a quarter to play the games, but people like will like symbolically put their quarters on the on, on the thing to like say that like they're next, you know? It was, yeah, uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty dope. I actually did that in that arcade. Like I had to put my quarter in, and I was like seventh in line. I'm just like, oh my god, why are there so many people here? But you know, it's pretty yeah. cool. And I don't know. Like I'm trying to think. Like I'm like, okay, they're they're in their late teens, mid twenties. Where are they playing this game? Unless they're just using what they knew from like Street Fighter four or five or something. I guess so. I I mean, I mean, either that or I mean, they could have like a SNES classic that has Street Fighter two on it, you know, or they could be have like emulators and stuff, you know, like you never know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, Any? What are you playing right now? Any games that you've been working on? Anything? Any games that you've been proud of beating as of late? Yeah, so we talked about Animal Crossing and Crystal Rage Four. De- uh, Destiny 2 is kind of like my everyday live service, my go-to game. So uh-huh. uh, I like play a lot of uh, Destiny 2. Not not really a game that uh, you can beat. Um, yeah. Right now, the game I'm probably playing the most is like Paper Mario, the Origami King mm-hmm. on the Switch. Um, really love the art style. Um, you know, and the Paper Mario series, I think, is like a fun little, like, kind of self-aware silly version of mario so there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of like inside jokes and they're making fun of him for hitting his head on blocks and that kind of stuff so you know um i i, I like that um also on switch which i didn't realize they even did was they did a remastered version of um crisis i don't know if you ever played that first person game um that came out uh maybe in like 2007 maybe or 2008 um, they did a, a remastered version um, that like came out on the Switch. So like, I love that game. Mm-hmm. When it came, when it I came out, it like you know it was it was kind of really big for like the graphical like fidelity and stuff. So for for uh, being on, on like a portable thing is is like uh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started playing. It actually just came out a, a game called Grounded that Microsoft announced as part of like their Xbox like uh, their like a. Sh- the uh, showcase that like uh, they had earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's a pretty cool. It's essentially like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Like you're, <laughs> you're like in the garden and you're you know yeah. you're fighting against ants and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, it's like fun, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know I, I've been um, I've been trying to play some games that have been out for a while that I haven't really had a chance. Like uh, which is my I, jam I, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So like so like I've been playing this zombie game, uh, Dying Light, mm-hmm. um, which came out maybe like five years ago, mm-hmm. 
and like a uh, friend of mine just like, hey, do you want to play some co-op Dying Light? So like we've played that a uh, few times. Um, and also um, for my birthday, I got a uh, a uh, Oculus Quest, so like the VR thing. So I've been playing a lot of like Beat Saber. Yes, uh, I've seen that. Uh, yeah. Which is in, yeah, yeah, and uh, Half Life Alex, you know, which is like you know, which is like a a new game in the Half Life series, mm-hmm. and like playing a full like first person shooter in VR. To be honest, it's one of the first VR games I've ever played that like I can't play too long; it'll make me sick. It's so <laughs> yeah. immersive. It's like so immersive that like it will like mess with like your stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, 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 man. Um, I recently, I would say, the last game I beat, aside from the ones that we already talked about that I really enjoyed, was a game called Treachery in Beatdown City. Um, oh yeah, I seen those videos. Yeah, the trailer. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting mix. It's like it has like an eight bit kind of graphic style, but it's a beat 'em up mm-hmm. with like turn based RPG elements. Mm. So it's like a beat 'em up, and like as you approach a, a person, it brings up a menu where there's like yeah. attacks, magic, and healing, and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's a really interesting. Has a lot of great like so- social commentary in it, mm-hmm. um, as as well. Um, so so yeah, I would definitely definitely like like a, a recommend uh, treachery in Beatdown City for sure. Mm-hmm. The last game I beat before the pandemic was surprisingly, and I think you saw this on my gaming Instagram, River City Ransom. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, Great game. Yeah, it is. Because me and my friend were playing, because I hadn't played it when it first when it came out in the 90s, right? And then my friend and I were playing on, a, on an emulator in 2005 or 06 or whatever, but we never finished it. And I'm like, hey, it's on the Switch. Let's go play it. Like, I need to beat this game. I haven't beat it yet. And we finally did last February, so that was that was really cool. Like I, I don't know why it took me this long to beat the game, honestly. But hey. Yeah, I I, I love that game as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, I remember my brother and I used to have our passwords memorized. I know how and that the goes. Passwords are pr- <laughs> and the passwords are pretty long. I mean, the passwords yeah. are like they're like three lines, and each line is maybe ten or fifteen alphanumeric characters. Yeah. And we literally had them memorized so that we could just, like, put them in and, like, we'd have all of our, you know, unlockables and money and all the books of, you know, all, you know, all the books you buy, Dragon Feet and all that stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great game. I love the humor in it. Yeah. Um, it was, I think, the the first game I ever seen where, even though it was in voices, like, the characters would react to you. They'd, like, yeah. run away. They'd scream. They'd, like, talk trash to you. You know, I always thought that, like, that was, like, Really, really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. This is Shay, Shay Serrano, and you are listening to the Ray Ray is Fundamental Podcast. I think Ray Ray should change the name of the podcast, but he likes it, so that's what you're listening to. You know, it's funny you mentioned the password thing, because I thought I was crazy when I was me- I was memorizing the Super Hang-On password for the fastest motorcycle, which had like 60, right. two lines of 16 alphanumeric characters, so it was like 32 letters, and... and I thought I was crazy for memorizing that. So thank you for oh, proving no. that I'm not the only one that does that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! I remember when we first got it, we would uh, and like this might be a surprise to like your like your like younger listeners, but 
when we got AI Password, we would take the manual, the printed manual mm-hmm. that came with the game. Yes. And the, and the last couple pages always had, like, notes. Yes. A note section. <laughs> and we write and we wrote down the password there, but it just so happened that when I wasn't playing, I was, like, looking at the password, and I eventually was able to enter it without having to, to look at the manual anymore. So, <laughs> here it is. Yeah. I mean, it sounded crazy. And I would tell, yeah. I, and like, one of my one of my cousins was playing Superhand. I was like, I know the password to the fastest motorcycle. I'll just put it there. And he looked at me as if I was crazy for doing that. But, I was like, <laughs> but yeah, I just knew. I don't know. I mean, you know, I played it so much back then. So, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of the last manual that I've had. <laughs> the last game I bought that had a manual, um, and I can't. I don't know, cause, cause like even when I got the Switch. Yeah, I would buy a lot of physical games because at that time, Amazon would like—I think they gave like a pretty nice like discount on physical games mm-hmm. if you pre-order them. Yeah. But none of those none of those had manuals in. Them. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of like—I mean, it literally might have been like maybe the Wii. <laughs> like it might have been like some Wii or like 360 games that I had that like had manuals. That that's like probably the last time that I actually like had a had a manual um, for a game. Well, you have no idea how upset I get when I get a PS4 game and there's, like, nothing but the disc. And I'm just like, where's the manual, guys? Like, I need to read this or whatever. Even though I know how the game goes usually. But I just, I just feel much better if there's a manual in there. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Switch games. They don't have any manuals anymore. Because I've, yeah. al- I've always been a physical media guy. Like, if, if there's an option between physical and digital, I will buy the physical. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But... They don't have any instruction manuals. I'm just kind of like, where is it? Like, I like, I already know how to play the game, but I just feel so much better if it's in there. That's all. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember when I used to rent games from Blockbuster. Renting games. <laughs> like, if you got a game, if if you got a game with a fully intact manual, that was like a gold mine. Like it was like, oh my god, there's yeah. a manual. Every once in a while, like the previous person would have written their password in there. <laughs> like, oh man, I got a password. You know, you know, you know, you jump in and stuff. Um, but like, I would say, like, it was rare. Like, I would say most times when we rented games, they had no manuals. But mm-hmm. every once in a while, somebody would leave that manual in there, and you'd be like, "Yes, I've been blessed." <laughs> yeah, you know? that's my goal. Like, um, I don't have enough room in my game room right now to do something like this. But I want like a video store, blockbuster store vibe, like shelves and <laughs> posters shelves. and. <laughs> Cutouts, like I want that sort of thing for my game room. Like you see, you see my um, setup. It's like I have two TVs to play games. So, yeah. So I want something like a blockbuster video game store vibe for my game room. I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen those on YouTube YouTube videos where there's like, oh, here's my gaming setup, and it's like they have shelves and posters and kind of like I want something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that would be cool. Yeah. Um, you know, to store all your physical, all, all your physical media. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's already a mess here. Like, uh, I believe I have 15 or 16 consoles hooked up. <laughs> it's wow. Weird. Yeah. Oh my god. That include that includes the minis, by the way. But. Okay. Yeah, but still, but that's, like, that's a lot of consoles. What's the oldest console that's hooked up right now? Oldest console that's hooked up? Cause I put yeah. away, I put away the 16-bit ones. Um, 
Okay. I will say the Sega Saturn is probably the oldest hooked up. Okay. Sega yeah. Saturn. So, like, did you have to buy, like, because um, I'm assuming that your TVs are not, like, CRTs. Like, they're, no. like, flat <laughs> No. TVs. So, like, did you have to buy, like, a component converter or something for the Saturn or those older consoles to hook up to your flat screen? I have not done that, but, I mean, I should. <laughs> it looks fine without it, but, like, obviously you can get, like, one of those um, AV to HDMI hookups or whatever those sort of things are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably, like, the next step, because I've already spent so much on gaming as is. But, um, yeah, the oldest hooked up is the Sega Saturn. Um, I mean, Saturn's pretty old. <laughs> yeah, it's it still pretty works, old. too. So, because um, it took me a while to put away the Super Nintendo, because I was still playing a little bit of Chrono Trigger, and Chrono Trigger is, yeah. not, on the, is not on the mini. But I'm like, okay, fine, I'll put it away for now. But the next time I get a hangout for Chrono Trigger, I might, I might put it back on, so... Yeah, I don't know a lot of people that owned Saturns. Like, I'm trying to think. Because I know I definitely didn't play a Saturn until I got older. Um, but, like, when it first came out, it was one of those systems kind of like the like the Atari Jaguar, you know, or like the 3DO. Mm. Like, no one actually owned it. Like, I'd read about them in EGM and GamePro, you know, but <laughs> yeah. as far as, like, actually going to somebody's house to play it. You know, it it just wasn't happening. Like I just didn't know. Like I I knew one person that owned a Turbo Graphics like 16, so I got to actually play that. But for the most part, it was it was like Sega and Genesis. I knew well. I knew somebody that had a Sega CD and yeah. a 32X. Yeah. But not a Saturn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was like a bridge too far. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that the first console I bought with my own money from my own job is a Sega Saturn. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, nice. This was probably about, like, two years after it came out, right? So it was already, like, $150 at that point. So, yeah. um, because my brothers already had a PS1, so it's like, well, what's the use? We live in the same place. So I got a Saturn. But eventually, I got my, I started collecting my own consoles, so. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, the Saturn had a really short shelf life. I mean, did. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, like, they, like, wonder, like, you know, like, man, like, what, wh- wh- why does Sega go out of business? And I'm like, yo, think about how many consoles they launched in, like, 10 years. They launched, like, so many different things, like, so many hardware launches one after another. Yeah. You know, like, like you just can't, like, they never had time to recoup the losses. Yeah. You know? Let's um, bring out the Sega CD. Let's bring out the 32X. Let's bring out the Sega Saturn. Dreamcast, like that's just a lot to put out in that short amount of time. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and and, and like even though the Dreamcast was awesome, and I have a lot of great memories of playing the Dreamcast, it was just too late at that point. Yeah. To, you know, to prevent them from uh, from leaving the hardware business. So so let me ask you this: If do you think Sega will bring out another console eventually? Because they've been they've been doing a lot of weird things as of late. <laughs> Like a like a modern like another yeah. like new console like a modern new uh, console. I don't really think there's any space, man. For for, I don't think there's I don't think there's space for another console. Like I really don't. Yeah. Unless that console is specific is like not traditional, like it plays PC games or it or some like it. Like I don't think there I don't think there's room for another console that is, that is asking third parties to make another version of their games that's, this for is that true. console. 
Yeah. Like, like I just can't see because there these companies are already spread too thin. Yeah. You know, when they have to make it on two consoles because most of the games don't like come to Switch, you know. Yeah. So like, so like just having to make it for like Sony and Microsoft is enough. I can't see that. And like, I know that the uh, Atari VCS, that one that they're trying to launch, <laughs> um, they like mentioned, yeah, like we're going to be able to get some newer games on here as well. And like, I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like you're basically just going to have updated versions of like Missile Command and Asteroids and stuff. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think you're going to be getting like, you know, Assassin's Creed <laughs> and Call of Duty on, <laughs> on, on, on like Atari, you know? So, so yeah, I, I can't see Sega making a traditional console, but it would be cool if they tried to make something, I don't know, like something creative that actually, you know, maybe did something different that like didn't depend on needing the latest and greatest like third party games, which, you know, um, kind of make or break, you know, like the success of a console. Um, yeah. You know, so who, who knows? I mean, like maybe they could come out with something that's like out of the box but i don't think there's room for another like traditional console yeah i don't think i don't think companies are lining up they're already doing sony microsoft sometimes nintendo sometimes steam even google yeah. stadia <laughs> like, oh god yeah i know yeah. but yeah i think i think you're right there, there there's usually like two or three top-notch consoles in each period and yes not sure there's room for a fourth if they're gonna try to be that that um big console so um, one last thing for me at least is that, as you probably saw on my um, Instagram, that I'm playing Until Dawn, which is yep. a breakthrough for me because I totally avoid horror games. I'm totally chicken on playing those type of, type of games, which is why I haven't played a Resident Evil game in so long. I had never been in a Silent Hill game. I chicken out on The Last of Us after a third of the game. So I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to do this again. See if I can get far in these horror games because oh my gosh, I can't, I can't take these jump scares, man. I already had like two of them last night. <laughs> yeah, um, I would suggest trying to push through on la- like Last of Us is not a horror game. It's it not. Does it's have, not. It does have some jump scares in it. It definitely has some creepy moments. Yeah. But it is. Last of Us is like so. Last of Us and Breath of the Wild are the only two games in the last 10 years that have cracked my top 10 of all time list. Because all my other games, all, all, like my list is like mostly older games. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, but Last of Us, like what they do like narratively and the mocap and the voice acting and like the actual story mm-hmm. is like breath, it's, it's breathtaking. Like to me at least. So I would, if I would highly advise you try to get through like Last of Us One. Now, like Last of Us Two is a different story, but Last of Us One, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would definitely try to, like, you know, like Until Dawn is going to be a lot scarier than Last of Us. Yeah. Okay. Be because Until Dawn is a horror game. I mean, it's basically like you're playing like Resident Evil or like Alien Isolation or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, Last of Us is man, that game is so good. Um, now I haven't finished Until Dawn either. Like I played like maybe a couple hours of it, mm-hmm. um, and I was basically like, I get the gist of it <laughs> and then put it away. Um, you know, because yeah, I mean that's kind of how I am. Like I don't, I've gotten to the point in my life where, I, like, if I play a game and, and I'm like, 
kind of losing steam on it uh-huh. i used to just push myself through to beat it mm. but now i'm like yo i'll just i'll just come back to it later like there's too many other things too many other games and other things you know for me to do um so like i'll just drop a game and just come back to it later you know and like until dawn was like a game like that um it's a good game but but like i felt like i was like if this can offer me anything new after this point probably not mm-hmm. and then i you know, kind of dropped it so yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna push through the story. Maybe the next time you come back on this podcast, I might have beaten it by then, and hopefully I'm still alive. Yeah. Um, but the next <laughs> time, the next time you come back on here, you mentioned top ten games. Now I have to make my list now too. So next time you come back on here, we will talk about our top ten uh, games of all time. But sure. But in the meantime, uh, please tell us where we can find you on the internets. Yeah. Uh, so you find me at sharifjackson.com. S H A R E E F jackson.com that has links to all my stuff my tutoring stuff my professor stuff all that kind of in the articles i've written um you can also find me at sharif jackson on all social networks and you can also uh find me on the DD show rivals of Waterdeep. that's like every week um and like i you you can go to rivals Waterdeep on twitter and the pin post has links to the audio podcast the youtube uh, and the Twitch and all that kind of stuff. So find me there and give me a shout. Awesome. Find me on Twitter at the No Look Pass and also for some NBA and WNBA stuff, the No This podcast you can find wherever your podcasts are available, whether it's Apple, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and also on the website Rary.net slash fun. So that is it. He's Sharif Jackson. He's not the son of Ice Cube. My name is Ray Ray. I'm <laughs> definitely not the son of Ice Cube. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Game over, yeah! Hashtag Blame Ray Ray.